Yo, yo, another week, another fight podcast in person. <laughs> I'm here in the flesh with my fellow microchip brother, Dave. <laughs> so you can now call me Two Shots of Curve. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's, it's going well. It's good to see you. Um, it's weird. It's just clipping. Okay. Um, but it's good to see you. So because we're recording for the first time, please forgive any sort of weirdness in the audio quality. We're going to get that worked out as we do this, hopefully, more often in person and we make it smoother. But yeah, man, isn't it weird after a whole year of not seeing each other? Yeah, it's like, oh, we can actually see people now, kind of. Go into their houses, talk to them without masks on. It's very odd. Only do that if both of you guys are microchipped, by the way. Don't do it if only one of you is, or if, like, you know, if both of you aren't. Follow the CDC rules. I know the CDC's bullshit, but follow their rules, you know, public health. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to catch up on. We haven't released an episode in a couple weeks. Um, we had an episode, but we decided not to release it because so much stuff was happening. And once again, we're in the same situation where so much stuff is happening. So this is being recorded on Saturday before the Jake Paul card, before the Gaslam Whitaker fight, before the PBC fight, and before the DAZN fight, right? Yep. So don't expect to hear too much about those things. Um, but we do have a lot of other things to cover that have already happened. Where would you like to start? Oh, wow, there's a lot. Uh, just because it's the first thing that came to my mind, let's go ahead and maybe recap Bellator from last night. All right, yeah. Bellator last night started off their light heavyweight tournament. It was pretty exciting, to be honest. Um, their undercard was decent, and then the main card, I think, really delivered. We saw Corey Anderson really dominate in the second and third rounds uh a relative unknown but who looked pretty good in the first round mm-hmm. looked very slick with his striking had a good spinning kick i'm not going to try to pronounce his whole name but i know people are calling him yagi so i'm going to call him yagi uh he is from turkmenistan again did well the first round but Corey anderson i think looked really good his striking looked really sharp his punches were straight his wrestling, obviously, is, you know, very, very good. He was able to get him to the ground, and once he got him on the ground and ground and pound, that was the meanest I've ever seen, Corey Anderson. Yeah, I think he has sort of a new urgency about him since he has been in Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's kind of what's always been the big critique of him is he, he's not super urgent. He kind of just rides it he, out. He grinds it out, gets you on the ground, and sort of works based off of the control and not too much on finishing the fight. So it's interesting to see if he keeps that mentality up. He has Ryan Bader next, which could be a challenge. Yeah, it's interesting. They kind of have the same style. Yes. So it could be a snoozer. It could also be really interesting. Okay. What's interesting is though, like Corey's striking looks so much better. I wonder if he'll bring that out against Bader as well, because you know, yesterday he was punching straight, he was punching fast, and if he does that against Bader, he's like arguably a younger, more fitter version of Bader, then maybe things go really well for him, and maybe we see, we see that going forward. On the other side, or the other part of the light heavyweight tournament, we have Nemkov versus Davis. And it was a good showing by Nemkov, but Davis is tough. You know, they, this is their second fight, and they yeah. always 
It's one of those fights where I feel like both guys got each other's numbers. Always super close. Yes. I remember when they fought for the vacant belt. Not the vacant belt. When they fought to become the challenger to Vader's belt. Mm-hmm. It was like a split decision. Yes. And this one was three rounds to two to Nemkov, which was pretty accurate, I would say. But it was still close. It was definitely a close fight. I, yeah, Nemkov probably won it. But Davis is... He's still very much a contender. And I think... I wonder how he would have done in this tournament had he drawn someone else in the first round that didn't have his number, you know? Uh, I think, you know, it's unfortunate that he's facing the guy that, like, they've already fought before and they already kind of know how they fight. And it's, it's, you know, he did well, but it's hard to beat a guy like that, you know? Yeah. It's hard because he's also been around so long. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's fought Machida. Yes. And he's also fought Bader. Lot, he, there's a lot of tape on him, and he's a long yeah. career. So then, if he was to fight, so there's Corey Anderson and Yagi, who yeah. he hasn't fought, and then you got uh, Yo Romero. Rumble and Yoel. <laughs> like, don't know if you, anybody wants to fight either one of them, but it's actually really, it's a really good tournament, right? Yeah. It's kind of stacked up, yeah. up and down. Um, yeah, they fight in two. Uh, Rumble and Yoel fight in two weeks, I think. Right, and that'll be really exciting, and I think. Yes, and Bader's already fought, right? He already yeah, he fought. Yeah, he beat Machida last week. Yeah, he beat Machida last week. Moving on from Bellator, there was two one events that yeah. happened in, in the past two weeks that we need to cover. Uh, I think one overall did a great job with both of these events. I think the second was more smooth than the first, but the first was also exciting. Uh, for full disclosure, we want to shout out one. They've been really kind to us. They allowed us to watch their pressers, sent us some stuff, and it's been a really great experience, like, I guess working with them, and I, we hope to continue. Um, yeah, they've, they've been really helpful. Um, they've been sending us a lot of, like, press releases, like, backstage press releases and clips and audio files to use on our social media and stuff like that. And generally, it's been really nice. Like Yes, they have. <laughs> And so I'll say this about their outreach and the way they've been doing this, they're doing it right because it got us both to watch both events and we're obviously gonna watch the next one as well and be invested in them in a way that we wouldn't have. And we, what I, we would say is we've seen a very, very good product. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I was agreeing with you. I think that, you know, as they've kind of been growing in the American market, I think this is the way that they should go about doing it and one thing that i really appreciate is like the pacing of all the events it's like you're done by 11 and i think because they're pre-recorded that's why but it's also like you know you're not waiting around trying to figure out when is it hard even though you're excited for the main event you're like when is this hard about the end because it's getting late but it's like you know like when the main car starts at 10 you're probably gonna be done by 11 30 at the latest and it being on a wednesday is actually not the worst thing in the world for me because it's because you're saying it's done by 11. it actually makes things really nice during the week to have something to break it up um i actually kind of prefer it more than the friday saturday cards to a certain extent because it's like okay cool i have something to look forward to i'll come home i'll watch this go to sleep um as far as the actual events and i want to talk a little bit about the setup and like sort of like the way they do their shows because i know i talked about in the last pod that we didn't release it's a very japanese style like very pride-esque style um and i guess all of east asia sets up their shows like this where there's a lot of theatrics there's like pyrotechnics there's fireworks there's 
confetti, there's all this stuff going on, and they make it a show, they make it entertaining. And they take a lot of the elements, I think, of pro wrestling that are good, where they have like sort of like the guys come out into the stage and kind of like blow them up before the main card and have the face-offs in the ring and et cetera, et cetera, in a way that it's, it's pretty exciting and it adds value to the show. Right, and you know, the one thing that I I'm not disappointed in, but like, unfortunately because of COVID times, you don't really get to see it with the crowd. Mm -hmm. the, the effect of it is sort of magnified by having the crowd there. Exactly. And so when, when the crowd comes back, I think it's going to be really good for one. Now, as far as the fights themselves, they've been pretty damn good. I think our, our I'm going to speak for myself here. My favorite so far has been that Rod Tank fight. Yeah. From the, from the first event. That Rod Tank fight was amazing. And it was a great display of Muay Thai with MMA gloves, which is like one of my favorite things to watch. And just so cool and a great way to expose the world to who Rod Tang is, who's just a beast. But the guy he was fighting, Mini T, did so well as, as, as well. And Dave was confused by why his name is Mini T, which <laughs> I'm also confused. His name is Daniel Williams. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird. But he's really good, and I'm going to watch out for him going forward as well. Both those guys laid it on the line that fight. Yeah, you can, it was kind of a really good mixture of style. So I would say, like, Mini T has more of, like, a technical style, whereas Raw Tang has more of, like, a walk-you-down power style. Right. And it was it was a good fight. Um, I think, again, it was very close. People, Some people had Mini T winning it. Some people had a draw. Some people had Raw Tang winning it. I, I talked about this more in depth previously, but I'll say this. The reason that Rod Tang won is because I think a lot of Muay Thai judges have a certain like scoring system in their head where kicks are worth more than punches, you know, knees are worth more than this, elbows are worth more than this. And Rod Tang in the first round probably won because he was putting together his kicks in a way that made more sense and dealt more damage. Um, and Mini T was relying on the punches at the beginning of the first round a lot more. Now that second round, Rod Tang definitely took. Like, no question, you know, knock down Mini-T. But that third round, I don't think there's any way you can convince me that Mini-T didn't win that third round. So, again, a really competitive fight that could have gone either way because depending on how you're looking at it and depending on the mindset you have looking at it, it could have been 2-1 Mini-T, it could have been 2-1 Rod Tank. Yeah, and that sort of also highlights the cool thing about how one structures their shows because it's like, it's like not only just like a mixed martial arts organization like you get mixed martial arts on the card nice. too like you'll get regular kickboxing you'll get muay thai you'll get submission grappling and you'll get mixed martial nice. arts yeah on the same card so it's like and they're all usually really competitive and fun to watch as well so it's like i always tell people like if you want to get a good glimpse of like combat sports and mixed martial arts to watch one because you get that you get competitive fights and you get like a good glimpse at all of them. Agreed. So there were some things I didn't like about the show, like the Eddie Alvarez fight, the way that was handled, I think was pretty poor. I don't think it should have been a disqualification um, because I don't think he intentionally hit him behind the ear, nor do I think it was enough to like warrant ending the fight there, um, especially not while Eddie was winning by that much. I also don't like the way the commentators handle it. I mean, all respect to Rich Franklin, uh, obviously he's you know a former UFC champ. I'm not saying I know more than him, but I'm just saying I didn't like the style in which that happened, and I think a lot of that was working out the kinks of the, the get, like the, having the first show on TNT. But I would have liked to see that handled a little better. 
Yeah, I think, you know, having sat on it for about two weeks now, I think part of it was the shock of it all. Yes. I feel like, one, um, Yuri, Eddie's opponent, was actually really hurt. Yes. So I think that 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 brought a different level of, like, emotional response from both Eddie and everyone else. On top of the fact that it kind of, like, ended abruptly and in a controversial way. And, you know, as the opening fight of the main card of their first U.S. base. So I think people were really confused and sort of taken aback by the entire thing. It was it was it was difficult, difficult situation. And then the last part the last fight we want to talk about in the first event obviously is Mighty Mouse losing <laughs> to one of the like that was that was unexpected. For most people that was unexpected, right? For Mighty Mouse to lose to Adriano and he did Adriano just proved that he's one of the best flyweights in the world. Yeah, I guess. Huh? Flyweight. I guess you can call it a flyweight. I mean, they call it a flyweight, right? Yeah. It's weird. So what we're talking about basically is one has certain hydration rules in effect where a, a fighter can't cut more than 10% of their, 10, 20% of their body weight. And they do hydration checks year round. Um, and to help the fighters with that, they basically move all of their weight classes up one. So flyweight in America is 125 pounds, but it's 135 pounds in the UFC. You in oh, one, in one. one. Yes. Sorry. yes. So when you do that, to me, I feel like you get guys who are sort of like in between. So like Marais is a bit, would be a big flyweight, but I also don't think he could make flyweight. But he would also be a small man. Band of weight. weight, yeah. So like... You get people in their natural weight though, yeah. you know? like. No, I think it's good. It's a yeah. it's one, it's a great idea, but for like DJ, DJ is probably a natural 125. Like he should be at 125 pounds for sure. Right. So when he's at 135, where he's if he cuts at all, mm-hmm. it's probably like four pounds. So you know he's fighting guys. Some of them may be like him who are flyweights who are just not cutting a lot of weight, but you're going to get guys who are actually bigger than you there um that being said i think marais didn't necessarily win because he was bigger i think he was actually the better fighter in that situation the way he was controlling the fight the way he was making dj chase after him and sort of like orchestrating what was happening and that knee was pretty nasty um (laughs) so that 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 kind of leads you to you winning right um and you know it's it's a different rule set for those who don't know. Um, so you're allowed to do that, and you're allowed to, and they signed up for it, and so that's okay. That meaning needs to a downed opponent. Yeah. So I think that's the first event, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about from that first event. Um, not really. Just briefly touch on Umar Kane. He opened the oh, card yeah. and completely smashed the guy in like rug rug. A minute or so. Yeah. It was good. He he fought a replacement fight. I forgot the name of the guy he was supposed to fight, but like that guy that he was supposed to fight had challenged for the heavyweight belt at some point. So it was supposed to be a, a different kind of fight. But you know, I'm excited just because you know MMA is slowly moving its way into Africa, and I think that when you introduce some of those more traditional, traditionally African martial arts into the fray, we're going to get more interesting fights. Agreed, agreed. And it's one is a good place to do it. Like, he's already fought Alan Nagini, who's from Cameroon originally, um, but changed, 
you know, he's, he trained in, in, in the Dutch world of kickboxing. Um, and it's going to be good, I think, right? For him to continue to be exposed to different kind of fighters and kind of come up slowly. I think one is building him the right way. Mm, I agree. Uh, I know we had a bit more about African African martial artists that we wanted to cover, but I think we'll save that for maybe another episode. Um, so moving on to the second event that one put on this past Wednesday, I think it was a lot smoother in terms of its presentation, in terms of what the commentators were doing. I enjoyed a lot of the fights, um, particularly the two women fighting. Um, Julia Budd. Ju- Julia Budd fought, fought, last, fought last night. Todd, Julia Todd. Todd, Todd Julia Todd, Todd, yeah. She is American Muay Thai's, like, one of the best women in American Muay Thai. I think she made the American Women National Team. They're, they're actually really good, too. Um, and I think she was on that for a while, or she at least trained with them. She put on a pretty good clinic of, of, of how to, you know, how to fight Muay Thai. So that was exciting. Yeah, that body, that uh, body roundhouse that she knocked that the other one out with was nasty. It was, it was. And it was a very definitive way to win. What did you think of the main event? I was shocked. And, you know, I, all, I we already knew that Christian Lee was a beast. Yeah. But to, to dispose of Timothy Nasekin yeah. that fast and that dominantly, that dominantly was pretty surprising. He was trying to say that it was an early stoppage. Nasekin. Uh, it was, was fair. It was a fair stoppage. Stoppage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a, it might have been a little early a tad but early but it was it was, was, go, it was gonna end yeah. Nasty Yukin for those who don't know is a really really good striker and really dangerous yeah. and so to dispose of him that way it's pretty amazing um, yeah, he came in and stopped Eddie in his first one fight he did he did come in and stop Eddie one actually has really good strikers Cosmo Alexander like a lot of people who are very famous in the kickboxing and Muay Thai world that, that they've signed and Nasty Yukin's one of those guys who's just like a scary dude. But Christian Lee is proving that like, yo, he's the real deal. Yeah. At 22, 23? Yeah, he's nasty. He's nasty. It's interesting. I don't know if it's because of the style of fighters that are in one, like just based off their proximity. But I feel like the American-based MMA organizations have a lot more of like a a grappling base is you see more grappling you don't really see a lot of grappling you see it for sure in yeah. one but it's less there's, there's way more stand-up yeah i don't i don't know i think because one has like you know proximity like you said in, in its fighter roster to a lot of places that have a lot of striking arts right so they've signed a lot of thai fighters for example i think also because to a certain extent they have like the Eastern Europeans and Russians and things like that who are dominating and who are winning, right? Um, but I think that they're not as prevalent. I think because of the American wrestling system and because the UFC has specifically cultivated this pipeline in Eastern Europe to the UFC, that you're you, you just see more of it in the UFC, right? Like. Yeah. They have a pipeline here for like American wrestlers. They have a pipeline for these Russians to come to the UFC. But you don't get a lot of glory guys. Like Israel Adesanya is one, but there's not a lot of glory guys that come to yeah, yeah, uh, no. Saki. But if and you look at Alex, yeah. yeah. But that's really it. It's 
it's not a lot of those guys, but a lot of those guys do end up at one because one's like, hey, you know, you've already had a cultivated fan base. There's a lot of there's a lot of crossover here. You should come by. Now I will say a lot of one fighters like Christian Lee and like Ong and like a lot of other people just trained with all the American fighters anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how the, how that plays out if once the wrestlers do go over because Ben Askren had a lot of success in one. Yeah, but the guys he was fighting at his weight class were much smaller than him. That's true. That's true. Um, but you know, like, like I said, a lot, and that's the other thing. A lot of the guys that come over to one that have a grappling heavy style are American. Like, um, what's that guy uh, from Dead Hair Death Squad? Uh, Gordon Ryan, yeah. Gary Tonton. Gary Tonton. Yeah. And then you have uh, that guy that lost on the first card. Uh, I forgot his name, but he used to, she challenged for the welterweight belt, and he was a wrestler. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. I, I, but yeah, there's a bunch of guys. It was a, there's a lot of the grappling heavy guys in one are American. And I will say that they one has a lot of grappling guys who are only signed up to do grappling, mm-hmm. right? And who might eventually do MMA, like Gordon Ryan being the prime example. So they are reaching into that world. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, it was interesting and it was it was really fun to see Christian Lee be that dominant and everyone to give him props and acknowledge. I also want to say one has are done a really good job, and we don't want to make this the one podcast, but they did a really good job in giving Will Harris like full access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the anatomy of the fighter stuff that's been coming out has been great. Really good, really, really good. Yeah, just because they they encouraged him and they worked with him, unlike certain other organizations. Um, and it's it's just cool. It's cool to watch that happen. So, we should talk about boots too, right? Yeah. Because we didn't get a chance to cover it. But before, let's just finish off MMA. Is there any is there any UFC stuff that we wanted to talk about? Um, I guess we talk about Holland and Vittori. Yeah, I mean, Vittori took Derek Brunson's game plan and just used it. Yeah, it, I will say it was interesting only because I feel like Brunson was like a tad more willing to stand with him than Vittori was. Vittori realized very quickly he would get knocked out. Yeah, like it was like it was it was almost <laughs> like it was almost like eye opening. Like, yo, if he can keep this standing for maybe like a minute longer, he could probably finish Vittori. Exactly. Like it it, it, it got scary for that Vittori. Actually made me realize I don't want to see a Vittori Israel Adesanya rematch at all. Because Izzy would destroy this dude. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I know people have been calling for it. That's why I brought it up. These were like, oh, yeah, he's on a win streak. They gave him a, gave him a hard fight. It was a split decision. The current version of Israel Adesanya would absolutely murk Marvin Vittori. Because what Kevin, Kevin Holland's a good striker and very exciting and very creative. But Israel Adesanya is on another level. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, I don't really know how to read Kevin Holland. And I'm a fan of his. And this has nothing to do with his takedown defense, because I don't really... I mean, I care about that, but I don't care about that. He can work on that. He'll get better. He might He might be a great striker, like an elite striker. He might be. He might be, yeah. I just don't know what, like, whether... I don't know what he can do. He can learn American wrestling takedown defense and probably be fine. But I'm not, I'm not confident that 185 is the weight that he should be in. So you really think that 170 thing is legit? He should go down. He doesn't look like, judging by him bouncing back, fighting Vittori, mm-hmm. and the weight that he was at when he weighed in against One, 183 or something. Yeah, you would think not, he would be on not, edge, right? He's, he's not cutting a lot. Yeah. If any. So and you know, 
listening to him talk about how he approaches fighting, he might not be cutting at all. He, he just got a nutritionist like last year, according to him on yeah, Rogan. <laughs> he literally might not cut any weight, or yeah. he might he might drop three pounds and make one eighty five or one eighty three or whatever. And I, I honestly think that it's less about his takedown defense because I think he has the there's some stand up takedown defense that he definitely has some lacking mm-hmm. in, but like his his instincts on the ground in order to get back up seem to be pretty solid. I think these guys are just tremendously bigger than him. I think they're stronger, yeah. They're just bigger and stronger, yeah. yeah. And like, I tend to agree that he might do better at 170, but I think if he doesn't get the technical shit right, there's a lot of really good technical wrestlers at 170 that are gonna give him a lot of issues. Right, but would they be able to keep him down? So that's my thing. So you have like, Usman of course. Um, I think Colby could keep him down. Yeah, Usman, Colby, I maybe Kiesa. I think he would start Mazdadal. I think him and Wonder Boy would be a treat. Like, I think I would love to see that fight. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be really fun, actually. Yeah. I, I think at 170, you're right, he's going to have more success. Yeah. Um, because there's, you know, he's going to be bigger and longer and he's going to have a reach advantage. But at the top levels, which he's not even fighting at the top levels yet, so let him get to the top levels, I guess, <laughs> first. Um, he's just going to have to learn it, right? And he can learn it. He, can, he has shown the ability to learn it. I think also part of his instincts are not just to... I want to say, and I could be wrong, but he talked about training in the gi and how much he loves jiu-jitsu. And a lot of jiu-jitsu you learn on your back. And I'm wondering if he's just reverting back to his training. I, but I think part of that is because of the strength factor. Because it's like you can see him on the ground against these guys. He's trying to get his legs up for triangles and stuff yeah. like that. So he has the instincts of it to be successful off of his back. Heck. I just think these guys are too big. Too big and too like strong. Like he can't get yeah. his legs up because these guys are holding them down just in a way big. where he can't do it. Yeah, and I think Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori are actually two of the stronger, physically stronger 185ers anyways. That do grappling. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's it's definitely going to be difficult for him. So yeah, maybe, maybe if Holland cuts weight, um, things will go well. Since we're talking about 185 tonight, let's just have a quick mental exercise. If Robert Whitaker wins, do you give him the rematch? Has to, has to. There's no one else there. I think that has like a strong case to me. Yes, I agree. Um, I think if Vittori had starts Kevin Holland, maybe. Then we could have yeah. given him. But I, it wasn't a particularly. If he had taken him down and submitted him in the first round, I'd be like, all or, right, I want to see this. round and pound stopped him. Yeah. It just didn't, it wasn't. He did what had to be done. It, was it wasn't a, impressive. It was a win. It was like the Derek Brunson win. It was like, all right, you won. You won. Yeah. Which you're supposed to do. You're supposed to show up and win. Yeah, I think Izzy is in a weird spot, too. Because he's beat everybody at the, in the top 10. I think he's damn Except near beat Darren Till. That's the only person. Yeah, and Ohio's not in the top 10. Anymore. Yeah. But, um, so it's not really much there for. Like, he beat both of the guys that are fighting tonight. Yeah. Um, Though I would not be mad if Gaslam wins to give him a rematch against Izzy. I think I think of all the guys that you could rematch Izzy with, I think he has the strongest case. Right. Just because he, I mean, Vittori did have a split decision, but it was not the, like the, that. Fight. The Gaslam fight was tremendously close, and it was a classic. Yeah. Right. Instant, instant classic. Yeah. So like that was a classic. I think you know what's interesting is 
You can't give Darren Till because Darren Till hasn't won in so long. And he keeps fighting people that are really tough Ooh, and he gets injured. He beat somebody. He beat Gaslam? He beat Gaslam. He beat Gaslam, but and then he, he lost. lost to Whitaker. Yeah, but he. No, and he no. Has a false sense. No, no. He's supposed to fight Whitaker, wasn't he? Did he not fight Whitaker? He fought Whitaker, didn't he? He might have. We can look this up. Hold on. We have the internet. Darren Till MMA. <laughs> so he lost to Rob Whitaker. Yeah, yes. So was he supposed to fight? Oh, he's supposed to fight. Because he was supposed to be on this card tonight. He, yeah, he. No, it wasn't this one. He was supposed to fight. He's supposed to fight Vittori. Yeah, he's, supposed to, he's supposed to fight Hermanson once. Yeah. And he was supposed to fight Vittori. Sorry, and he got injured both times. Yeah. Yeah, he has a weird kind of thing because he's he's good, but his record, like just looking at him, it's just weird. He lost Rob Whitaker, he beat Kevin Gaslam, he lost to Masvidal in a very fluky way, in my opinion. Um, but he but he lost. He lost to Tyron Woodley the last time Woodley was good, and that was in 2018. Yeah, he's one in three in his last four, which is weird because it's also like. He's also ranked very high at middleweight because he beat Gaslam. Because but. he beat Gaslam. Because it's weird because he, he moved weight classes. So mm-hmm. does your Masvidal and Woodley losses count against you at, at 185? You know, because they were at 170. It's weird. Um, but he lost a very clear decision of Robert Whitaker. Whitaker. Yes. So if Bobby Knuckles wins tonight, I think he deserves Izzy. I know Izzy wants Darren Till because I think he wants something new, but... It is what it is. Yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a good fight. I think it's a good fight for the UFC too. One, because oh, Whitaker, yeah. Whitaker is kind of like, he took a long time off after the Izzy fight. I think he's reevaluated himself and what he wants to do with the sport. And he's looked better since then. And you know, obviously Australia, you know, New they Zealand. did they did the right thing. So yeah. they're open up. They have crowds. Both of them, Australia and New Zealand. You could just yeah. have an Oceania card, right? Yeah, you, you could, could have Hooker at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever Volkanovski gets through his COVID thing, you can put him on the co-main. You can make a pretty big card with just decent, those people with a decent live gate. There. Yeah, like, I, I think that's a good idea. It would be. It would definitely. Be, it would definitely be cool to see that, and it would definitely be good for them because they've given a lot to the sport. Um, all right, switching gears to boxing. Boots looked great. It looked really good. And, you know, we had talked about this before. Actually, I think it was on an episode that we, we tossed. Did, we did not release, yes. Um, but we've talked about this fight on other episodes. And I, we were both kind of like, this is a step up in class for Boots. He should win it, but it would be difficult. Turned Two out. out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. It was not difficult. <laughs> yeah, it turned out. <laughs> yeah, it was not difficult. Which is, you know, there's a variety of factors to why that wasn't difficult. Uh, I think I, I talked about it before. Sergey has a very kickboxing based yeah. boxing style. Very flat footed. He's also small. He's pretty small for the weight class. Uh, and Boos is just better. Boos is just Boos is a monster. Uh, definitely, probably like second or third favorite fighter right now for me personally in boxing. Uh, is Bud still number one? Bud's, Bud's gonna be number one until he retires. For me, but I think, and I don't, I'm using my words very wisely here because people be getting in their feelings. Boots has the potential to be better than both Bud and Earl Spence, I think. That's a 
bold claim. Yeah, potential. He has yes. the potential. Because <laughs> be if you watch him, he does things that both of them do very well. Right. Which I would say that neither of them do what the other one does good well either. So it's like you have a guy, a young guy who has the qualities of both those guys on top of the fact that he has that Philly boxer mentality too. You know, I think the sky is the limit for him. Like he has a nasty streak, which is like my favorite thing in a boxer. And he's a great finisher. He puts his punches together really well. He switches. He has great footwork. The only thing that I don't like about his style is that he tends to roll with punches a lot. And I'm not sure how that's going to work against guys that can really punch. Yeah, because once you meet a knockout artist, rolling with their punch becomes a lot more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> who do you who do you want him to fight next? It's tough because you know he's got to be in the top ten now. You know Sergey was in the top ten. And so yeah. There's not really much for him that isn't at championship level, and you know. Um, I watched the Sean Porter podcast and Sean Porter basically said he wouldn't fight any of the young guys in the division so Sean Porter's out obviously um, reasonable decision by yeah, Sean Porter I think that's a tough I, I, obviously Sean has the tre- tremendous amount of experience at both amateur and pro level so it would be hard to pick against him in that fight but I think Boots' style is all wrong for, for Sean Porter gotcha um I like Jamal James. I think, you know, Jamal James doesn't really have a fight on the table. Um, he has a secondary title at welterweight. Um, he's also in the top 10, I think. Um, he's only lost to Yunus Ugas, who's fighting Daryl Spence in the summer, allegedly. So I think I think that's a good fight for him. You know, it's not necessarily a prospect or a contender fight. I think the winner of that becomes, like, the top tier contender at welterweight. And it's an easy fight to make, I think. I think so too. There's a lot of exciting fights, and I, I think that's not that's not a bad idea. There's a lot of exciting fights for him. Um, what else do we want to cover in boxing? Do we want to cover Jermel? Uh, a fight in a trash can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> PBC dropped their whole summer lineup, which actually it was a very good lineup, except for Jamal Charlo. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't okay, know. Okay, so we don't have to talk about that. Oh. You know what we didn't talk about? The Marine. Oh, Jamel Herring. Yes. Yeah, that was on the that was on the card. That, yes, that yeah. the, the, the pod that we didn't yeah. that we didn't release. So uh-huh. Herring did really well. Starts Frampton, retired him. Yeah, it was funny because you know the betting lines and everybody was like, "This is a 50-50 fight," and I was like, "There's no way this is a 50-50 fight." Whether like no matter no matter how you believe how much you believe in Carl Frampton and, and much and, respect to Frampton yeah. great career great boxer yada 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 um, Jamel Herring is a tremendously big 130 pounder mm-hmm. he fought the majority of his career amateur and pro at 140 142 so and he cuts to 130 now so you know and he looked good yeah <laughs> and he had the he had like a seven inch reach advantage he's taller yeah and he's he's his skills have developed tremendously under Bo Mack and Terrence Crawford. There was no way he was going to lose that. Whether he knocked Frampton out or not wasn't, to me, super important. I just like, there's no way Frampton can get inside on him. He did get inside once when he got cut, and he kind of took advantage of the cut to get inside. It was a little interesting then, but not really. Uh, but he looked good. 
Yeah, he looked really good. He looked really good. So I'm curious to see what he does next, right? Like, where where he what he's who's gonna fight next? Yeah. So he wants Valdez, right? Because um, we talked about this before. Shakur Stevens is off the table. Yeah, I don't know if it's off the table per se, but Shakur's the mandatory for well. Technically, Shakur versus the guy, I don't know his name. The winner of that fight is the, the mandatory. legitimate mandatory for um, Jamel Herring, the NWBO. They had 30 days from whenever Jamel won, I mean, it was two weeks ago, to negotiate with, to basically sign saying that I will fight that guy. Right. Um, if he doesn't, then he vacates the belt and the Shakur Stevenson fight then becomes for the vacant WBO belt. Um, it's weird because Shakur and Jamel are friends. Um, Shakur is very close with Bud and that whole camp. Um, I don't think that Jamel Herring is going to fight Shakur Stevenson. Doesn't seem likely. I don't know whether... Based off what they're coming out of their camps at least. Yeah, and like you know, the talk, like they went... Not back and forth, but they were talking to each other on social media. It definitely doesn't sound like that's going to happen. The Valdez fight is good. It's good. I think it deserves to have two belts on the table. I would propose if Shakur would take it, would be to negotiate a step aside fee and have that fight become the interim WBO championship. He fights Valdez. Boxing politics. Yeah, boxing politics. <laughs> um, have Valdez and Herring fight, unify, and then secure fights the, the unified champion. Winner, yeah. yeah. I think that's the reasonable way. But so something completely ridiculous will happen yeah, instead. I'm almost I'm almost positive <laughs> that Jamal Herring will fight Oscar Valdez for the WBC belt, and he will not have the WBO belt with him. So, um... Who wins that fight? It's interesting. So, that's kind of a that's a more interesting fight, I think. Yeah. So, full disclosure, I think I've said this on the pod. I thought that Burchell was going to dominate Valdez, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. Um, Burchell is a bigger one thirty. He has similar physicals to Jamel Herring. Jamel Herring fights completely different, though. So it'd right. be interesting. I think. Valdez will have a easier time than Frampton getting in on the inside just because, you know... Younger, faster. Younger, better. Uh, I don't want to say he has better training, but he trains at Eddie Reynoso. That's Canelo's training. Probably better training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I must say, I think he does. <laughs> yeah, he, sp- he, spar- he spars with Canelo. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it, I think... I think that's more legitimately a 50-50 fight, in my opinion. Um... It's hard to pick against either one. Um, so we'll have, I think if that fight happens, we'll just have to see. It'll be interesting for sure. What? So there's a bunch of fights coming up in boxing. Like I know Tia Fimo just had like a press conference. Yeah. And then like supposedly Joshua and Fury got their shit together. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot coming up in boxing, right? But there's not a lot necessarily going on right now. Yeah, not really. Um, I know there's some cards tonight, but there's not. Yeah, uh, Demetrius Andre fights tonight. Yeah. Um, is it Andre? Is it, is it Andre or uh, is that how you pronounce his last name? What did What did I just say? Andre. 
I think it's Andrade. That's what I was asking. Because yeah. I'm like, I thought it was Andrade. Always. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, then you'll go in some other areas yeah. where they have other Andrades and they pronounce it Andre. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> he's fighting a legitimate guy. He's fighting his mandatory Liam Williams. Um, legitimate in this sense, meaning tremendously be. better than his other fights, fights that he's had. Um, I still think that Andrade is going to win. Um, it should, I think it should be pretty easy for him to win. Liam Williams knows one way to fight, and that's come forward. It's hard to come forward against Andrade because he's very, very talented. Yes. He's a southpaw. He has a tremendous reach for that weight class. And he's slick. He's crafty. And that, that slip cross counter, like he has a slip cross counter that I think that's really good. Like yeah, that's he, he, knocks, he knocks everybody down with that. Yep. Um, he's one. Of, he's also one of my favorite fighters. Also one of the more frustrating fighters, I think, to watch. Just because he's so talented that he sometimes switches off in fights. When then he knows that he can cruise and a guy can't touch him. And he can just win. Um, I, so that's why I think this fight will be fun because Liam Williams is always going to come forward and he's always going to try to put the pressure on and try to knock him out. So we're not going to talk too much about it because it's going to happen by the time this yeah. episode releases. Um, Tony Harrison also fights tonight too um, against, to me, a can. So that should be a good comeback fight for him. Uh, next week, you have Emmanuel Navarrete fighting Christopher Diaz. Um, the return of Edgar Belanga is next week too. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually fighting a decent guy. So he's okay, fighting. Okay. We'll he's see. fighting Demond Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, he's fighting Demond Nicholson. Um, it's ironic because we're recording this in Laurel. He's from Laurel. Hey. He was a 2008 Olympic alternate. He was a very talented fighter. He's had a very pretty rough go mm-hmm. at it in the pros. He's been dealing with like a kid. He had kidney failure like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. His doctor said he would never fight again. He's Jeez. fighting now. You know, he trains with um, he had Calvin Ford. Oh, he can't have Calvin Ford. Okay. Yeah, so he's, and he's good. I mean, he's been, I think all of his losses, he has been knocked out in, or at least two of them. But this is when he was dealing with those health issues. So he's fine now. Um, again, he's an Olympic alternate. He's very, very talented. He's very, very good. So we're going to have to see Berlanga work for once. I think so. I think... I think at be- if we're going to go with bare minimum, he will make it to the second round. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Um, I think I think at the bare minimum, though, the skill level will be even. So, yes. Whether the, whether the durability and the stamina and everything else is on par, I don't know. But the skill so level... So many questions The, the skill level should be... Even. It's not necessarily that he was more skilled than all the people he starched. He just <laughs> like he just. I think he was more skilled than most of the guys he starched. He probably was, but we didn't necessarily get to see that to be true or false. <laughs> hey man, my favorite saying in boxing is you don't get paid for overtime. That's true. That's true. Tank is fighting, right? Not tonight, obviously. Yeah, that like, was one of the big fights that was announced. He's he's moving up to 140 to fight Mario Barrios. Isn't that dude really tall? Yeah, so funny thing about Mario Barrios. First time I saw him, he was fighting at 130. The next time I saw him, he was fighting at 140. So He's like 6-something. He's not 6 feet. I think he's 5'10", 5'11". I thought he was 6'0 when I saw him, but okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think he's 5'10". He's 5'10". But it don't matter. Tank is 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, Tank uh, Tank is like... So I've, I've run into Tank a couple times in my life. Tank is literally my height. <laughs> yeah, he's a small guy. 
Um, this is an interesting fight because on one hand, it's strategic. But on the other hand, it's also a very tough fight for Tank because he's never fought anyone this 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 much reach this much reach this much height and he's the naturally bigger guy by far yeah Tank has never been the smallest guy in the ring and well I think Jose Pedraza was bigger than him but he's never really been not generally speaking is Tank's smaller than the dude that he's against Uh, Mario Barrios is good not great Mm -hmm. I think Tank probably has more skill whether that skill translates up to 140 I don't know on the one hand, it's probably easier. It'll be an easier camp for Tank, right? He won't have to go down as much. On the other hand, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the reach, the strength. You know how? I mean, his chin is going to translate fine. I imagine it's not like his chin is going to crack. So, and he yeah. can crack at one forty. He can which crack is, at one forty, which, which is, is a lot more than yeah. Tank has has, has felt. Um, but I would imagine that his chin isn't going to just magically disappear. Yeah. But his, Tank's chin hasn't been tested like that yeah. either. He's been hit, but he's been hit with guys that aren't really punchers. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Um, I hope his legal troubles get out the way. We're not going to get into it, but we, we do have to acknowledge that he is going through some. So, hopefully yeah. he gets that shit worked out so we can actually see him fight. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the plan for him is if, if he wins. Because I think... All the other top contenders at 140 kill him, and that's too big. And that's not that's not any. I think he's on he's on par skill wise with most of those guys. But Josh Taylor is huge. They're just too big. Jose Ramirez like, yeah. is huge. Exactly. Like, those guys like he can't even Regis Progress is huge. Like he can't he can't keep up with those guys. Like, so what do you think the move is here? Why do you think Floyd's moving him to 140? I don't know. I think part of it is the belief in the skill. Um, I feel like can't, almost too can't early. deny the fact that he's also fighting another Mexican fighter, which is kind of the way that Floyd came up in the game, mm-hmm. marketing-wise, fighting Mexican guys. Yeah. Um, but Floyd also had the he had the frame for it, which I'm not sure Tank had the frame for. It, has the frame for because Floyd had room to fill out. He had room to fill out. Yeah. He also had a 71, 72 inch reach, yeah. which is pretty good. Up until 147, even 154, which Floyd has moved up to. Yes, so yeah, I was gonna say Tank so. has a 65 inch, 65 and a half inch, and reach, he has is, no room to fill out. Very short neck, kind of short torso. Like there's not a lot of room on his body. Yeah, I think if he moved up in a more natural way, I think 140 would be his natural limit. So you would think he'd go like 130, then like stay there for like just slowly incrementally move up what do you mean in a more natural way so he's been jumping around a lot yes which isn't necessarily like a natural way of moving up in weight per se like to me i think you move up like like but let's take bud for example okay bud fought most he started off at 135 fought most i'll probably say most of his career at 135 couldn't make the weight anymore moved up to 140 Cleared out 140. He probably, I think Bud, if there was more comp at 140, he probably would have stayed at 140 for a little bit longer. But he cleared out the division, so he moved up to 147. So that, to me, that's a natural progression in his. Whereas Tank jumps back and forth between weight classes yeah. and kind of does what he does. Yeah, okay. which is fine. It's not a big deal, but it's like, if he wins at 140, does he stay in 140? 
Because I don't think he can beat any of the top guys at 140. So, but he has. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't have the frame for it. It has nothing to do with his skill. I think he's as skilled as any of the champions from 130 to 140. But, you're, but, like, yes, but he doesn't already, have the frame for it. We've already highlighted. There's not a lot of room on his body to grow. He is kind of who he is. And he's not young. It's not like he's about to hit a growth spurt. Yeah, he's a year younger than me. So he, I'll make him 26. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we had for today, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was fun. I'm glad. We should do this in person more often. Yeah, I like it because, one, we can see how much time we have. <laughs> and there's no lag. I'm assuming the audio quality is going to be better. So tell us, give us feedback, what we should do better. If any of you guys podcast yourself, feel free to give us tips and tricks. Right now, what we've done is we've just attached our mic, USB mic, directly into Audacity, and we're kind of going from there. So I know some people that listen to us have some audio experience. Feel free to tell us, like, hey, Mayron, don't do that. Get, get this. Do this. Yada, yada, yada. We're also in a relatively big room, so I'm wondering how that does for Echo. Um, and maybe we should go up to the, the office next time, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, I'm running up on Dogecoin right now, so if we need to buy some software, we should be fine. <laughs> to the moon! To the moon! All right, guys. Peace and love. See you.